when is it like in November pretty soon they're gonna take away our hour again and then it's gonna get even darker sounds about right it's been 41 years of this for me so far I'm not used to it <laughs> they're talking about stopping it they've been talking about it and it the problem is it so it passed unanimously the idea that they could then vote on it but they have not voted on it yet like someone has to put it forth first yeah and that has not occurred that's the problem but uh you know what please do it those guys <laughs> please do it i don't i don't need this like i don't have the seasonal affective disorder i don't have i don't have sads or whatever it is but i don't like when it's darker sooner and my dog is gets confused because he's like the sun is going down that means it's time for me to go outside <laughs> And then he just sits there and stares at me. <laughs> In restless dreams, something, something, whatever, insert credit. This is the 2022 insert credit Halloween spec Dracular. The video game Bloodcast with the horrible <laughs> Boozer. <laughs> I'm your yeah. ghost, Alex Jaffe. And <laughs> listeners at home may choose to picture me for this episode wearing a Scissor Man from Clock Tower costume. Uh, uh, I'm Tim Rogers, and uh, I, I think the vast majority of listeners of this show know that uh, I just kind of tend to wear the same outfit every single time I go outside. So just imagine me wearing that. No costumes for me. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Brandon Sheffield, and uh, let's see. I don't wear costumes either. However, listeners may choose if they if they desire to picture me wearing the costume of Jennifer Simpson from Clock Tower. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, very good. <laughs> Joining our group tonight is a good fiend of ours, a uh, game music composer and console modification and restoration expert, Krista Lee. Hi, everyone. I can't think of a third thing from Clock Tower. So... <laughs> what about the clock? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. I'm, no, that, like, giant baby at the end that you, that the you run away baby. from. Yeah. The baby, yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll wear that. Uh, just Great. say you're dressed as Big Ben, the original <laughs> clock tower. <laughs> I like it. There, that was the very first one ever made, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that that was that was the one. Yeah, they they invented it. There. I know Big Ben is the clock, not the tower. Much like Frankenstein is the doctor, not the monster. So that was kind of a joke about that. That was pretty good, right? Tim is dressed yeah, was... the exact same way he was when he played Clock Tower and was not very impressed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I like uh, Clock Tower. <laughs> Okay. I like any game by the uh, the Human Corporation, as I like to call them. The yeah, those guys yeah. are cool. Septentrion, Out of the Blue. You ever play that one? Yeah, mm-hmm. that one's really cool. They love to yeah. do weird stuff. That's what that's what's neat about them. Get some Mizerna Falls in there. Oh yeah, Mizerna's all right. Was Iha Tovo Monogatari them, or was that? I think that was them. That was uh, that was a group of champions. Did that one? <laughs> <laughs> Kenji Miyazawa's ghost uh, did that all by himself. Actually, <laughs> uh, speaking of ghosts. It was one year ago on this very night that Brandon Sheffield, Frank Cifaldi, and Ian Ferguson ventured forth into the castle of Gamer Dracula to rid the land of his evil. Uh As far as we know, this fiend remains dormant, but reports have spread that one of his most terrifying cohorts has returned, a beast with the body of a man and the head of a much larger man. Uh They call him Big Head. With 
Ian Ferguson canonically killed in last year's episode and Frank imprisoned in some kind of crystal or something. <laughs> Brandon is on a new Halloween journey to vanquish this enemy with his new monster hunting party of Tim Rogers and Crystal Lee. Let's get him. <laughs> Fortunately, you know where to begin your search. After years that many believed it would never return, the news reports the surprising reappearance of a forgotten town, the town of Silent Hill. Oh, heck. <laughs> Before you head out on your quest, what do you think about all the Silent Hill news we got this month? I think it's interesting. This is, <laughs> that's the, the short encapsulation of it. I mean, the, the, the two remake, I don't know if it's necessary. It's kind of weird, but, um, you know, I'll check it out. And then you, mm -hmm. that, uh, Silent Hill F? Yeah. Definitely not an F in the chat for that one because that <laughs> looks pretty, it looks pretty good. And nice. it is being directed by, uh, my good friend Al Yang. Oh, nice. Who is at Neobards and worked on some of those remakes and also uh, uh, for Resident Evil and also worked on that Resident Evil multiplayer thing that was going around for a while. Uh, but yeah, he's um, he's been moving on up over there. And so he's actually the game director of that game, which gives me some sort of confidence that it will be good. Um Interesting is another question. Um, will it be adventurous? I don't know, but um, competent for sure. So that that's 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 exciting. And then there's that other one. The uh, what's the other one? It's it's like Townfall. Townfall. Yeah, and that's that's like a um, FMV type one, is it? Something like that. I mean, it's not a hundred percent known what yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, I think it's like an episodic deal or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's got the Annapurna logo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, Annapurna. Yeah, so it's guaranteed to be a. Uh, uh, <laughs> Never mind. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we can all fill in the blanks. It's guaranteed to be. I don't know. You just figured out to be yeah. talked about on social media for like twelve minutes, like right before it comes out. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then, uh, I mean, at least it's going to at least have that. And then it will spookily disappear into the mists of Silent Hill. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um. I I think the Silent Hill Two remake is uh is a good idea for people who want to play silent hill 2 but don't don't really mind if it's not uh, the real game um mm -hmm. it's, it's a it's a real great idea for the, the the more than two dozen replies i saw to the tweet announcing it that were like you know and this is actually very fun it was very fun to see to like to start obsessively counting these the number of people who quoted that silent hill 2 for ps2 is two hundred dollars on ebay <laughs> I saw. I, I didn't check. I saw about twenty-four people say Silent true. Hill Two is two hundred dollars on eBay. Um, yeah, that's about right. I found a very interesting thing that for all of those people to say, because uh, there are people out there who don't know that they can pay Dude, someone um, a, a modest amount of money <laughs> to uh, to modify a, a Sony PlayStation Two and oh, yeah. uh, get like a Retro Tink Five X. And uh, you go to the Internet Archive and use J Downloader to download every <laughs> single PlayStation 2 game ever released on any territory, and then have yourself a good old time. Take notes. If you are a hardcore fan of PlayStation 2 era video games, have I got a self Christmas present idea for you? <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. In fact, it might actually be the most premium source of entertainment possible in the year 2022 if you'd like to play silent hill 2 3 and silent hill 4 the room you got i got i got a, an idea for you um and there's a lot of people who seem to not know that and people who would say that's too expensive 
and I, you know, speaking speaking as a as a, as a newly rich person, uh, <laughs> let me tell yeah. you, um, I remember not having enough money to uh, to do this. Um, and I remember having enough money to buy a, a PlayStation 4 and an Xbox One uh, for fun. And I can tell you I would rather have one of these modded PS2s than any of those modern consoles. Um, however, if you don't agree with that, uh, check out that Silent Hill 2 remake. Go for it. It's by <laughs> Bloober Team. You gotta love it. It's a reference to Mario. Y'all love Mario, right? <laughs> right? Spoke, but, uh, right? Silent Hill... Two is not on Steam, but that it's that it's PC enhanced games. edition that you can get. Um, and yeah. people can also do that. I, I did look it up. It is about 130, 150 bucks for the original the disc. Yeah, it's pretty pricey. It's surprising and weird. People are scrubs. Just download it off the Internet Archive, dude. <laughs> I don't know. It's on there. I don't condone piracy as a video game modder. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, Ryu, uh, Ryu 07, the Higurashi no Naku Koroni author, oh, that's right, like yeah. one of my favorite VNs. It's really, really thoughtful. It's legendary. Yeah, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It, you know, its reputation kind of speaks for itself. So I felt like that was a really savvy choice for Silent Hill F, kind of surprisingly savvy, where Bloober Team feels a little bit like they've been kind of uh, pitching themselves for this game for a decade they made a video game that people who've never played silent hill said looks like silent hill yeah exactly that's that's their qualifications for it yeah i mean you know hey you know good job guys good work bloober team <laughs> you know it's more than i've ever done bit of a silent molehill yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, there's there's going to be NFTs in it, and that's going to be the scariest part. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a uh, man. Uh... That's the siren. Oh, siren. That's a great game. <laughs> Moving on. The fog sets into a thick sheet of gray as you approach Silent Hill, all too recognizable in its imperceptibility. It's almost as if the graphical limitations of the game enhance its eerie atmosphere. Yeah. Dithering everywhere. When have games most effectively used their technological constraints to their advantage? Oh, man, that's a... A, a question that could be answered for an entire episode, but my my first reply is um, dithering on the Sega Genesis to uh, imply additional colors. That is really cool and neat and weird. They do it in like Vector Man and Eternal Champions and stuff. All the the Western made high end Genesis games used dithering a lot to just imply more stuff and sometimes to get more objects on screen because rom sizes were still like it was expensive to buy a bigger one and so you'd have less visual data and uh parse it out and stuff i don't know it's cool it's cool i like that um that's not the best answer but it rocketed into my brain so now everyone else can say better uh, answers than that. i mean i think this is one of those often talked about aspects of video games it's a it's a bit of a bit of a cliched conversation at this point but i like it um I don't know, Metal Gear 1, they couldn't have more than two moving objects on screen on the MSX, so we had to invent the stealth genre to make something that was, uh, at, at the very least, mildly interesting. Um, he wouldn't have had a career if Konami had asked him to make, like, a Famicom game, Yeah, you know, yeah. if they'd put him on the big boy team. Uh, I I don't think he would have had a career. Okay, maybe he would have. It's fun to say that. It's fun to say a man wouldn't have had a career it's, if he didn't make one specific choice. Put on my time traveler hat and say man wouldn't have had a career. Right, it's, the only uh, movie he had. 
<laughs> I feel like that's the, uh, uh, you know, that's that's like the Uber answer for me. It's like uh, he couldn't have like I don't know the exact technical specifications of the particular one of the how many different MSXs were there? Eighty eight of them, uh, eighty nine of them. There were there were a lot of MSXs, and whichever one he was developing for, he couldn't uh, couldn't have more than X number of moving objects on screen. So the enemies had to stand still and. Uh, he's like what if their their line of sight was something you had to avoid and there was like eureka he, there was almost as, as if there were a sound effect that we could play to uh demonstrate <laughs> how if he only. felt when uh and uh, like as though an exclamation mark appeared above his head Indeed. there we go like there that. it was that that was, the like that. was it. I, I was sure you were gonna play thank you but that works as well. <laughs> thank you all right there's the <laughs> The whole superscalar genre, which was invented for lack of actual 3D and wound up becoming its own feeling of game and sort of persisted even as 3D oh, yeah. uh, started to come about and is having a bit of a revival at the moment. It's about to have a revival on my mister in my house, uh, if you yeah, know what I mean. Go. Yeah. I'm going to mention the Sega Saturn for the first time here. Um, of many, probably. Panzer Dragoon Saga. I've I've always found that game i mean all three of the panzer dragoons for for various reasons but panzer dragoon saga they they like they didn't have a lo- like a large polygon budget because the saturn was actually really good at 3d but it was really hard to do so they so they have a very barren very like uh, sparsely populated world and it sort of reinforces the like uh it's a very barren and uh isolated environment and i think i think that that yeah, it kind of feels like you're at the end of humanity in a way yeah, and especially because it's like it's set so far past everything that the other games sort of imply this like rich culture, and by the time you get to Saga, it's like very little um, of humanity seems to remain. Yeah, there's ruins and twenty five people. Saga's <laughs> yeah. wild, dude. Saga's, Saga's so wild. good. If only there were a way to play Sega Saturn games on my uh, Mister. <laughs> They're working on it. Oh it yeah, nice. I know. I know they are. I'm, I'm ready for. <laughs> yeah, any day, <laughs> any, any time. I'm ready. Whenever they're ready, I'm ready. Just uh, whenever, whenever it's ready. <laughs> Here's another one. The um, I'm going to get some details of this wrong because I'm not a big Nintendo. That's what podcasts are all about, though. That's what right? they're about is getting getting those little details wrong. So um, <laughs> the Nintendo 64 had that um, situation where the the sound budget was very small and you couldn't. Um, it was like super extremely sample based mm-hmm. um, music, but the samples could only be this very short length. And so that wound up lending itself to all the extremely good like jungle and electronic music that showed up on the N64 because mm. the oh, yeah. the loops were short and tight, but you could repeat them um, without seeming weird or bad because it, it works well for electronic music. And that's a, that's a fun little thing. I actually thought of one in the uh, first uh Silent Hill game, The Fog. <laughs> yeah. <really> good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's I, really I, good. I think uh-huh. I think it actually uh Did it I think it. it actually makes the game better. Yeah, I think it might. <laughs> I think it makes it, it I think it makes that that uh, the titular's town of Silent Hill uh makes it a little more mysterious. <laughs> but you know, with that with that game we've talked about this before, but I I do think that the um the texture work the ambiguous texture work and the the fact that it was not sharp and high res did add to the because because you'd look at a spooky thing and you'd be like what is that 
If you don't know what it is. Uh, that's oh, the witch's yeah. cackle. We have to move on. Okay. Game's uh, legit. At the town outskirts, you're met with your first challenge. An unsettlingly familiar yet somehow unnaturally warped simulacrum of a lost love in your life. Okay. Has a game ever felt like it was tailor-made to appeal to you but still doesn't work? Oh, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I'm trying to think of them. I mean, the the example of it working recently is Paradise Killer, which definitely felt like it was designed for me and um and did work except for the jumps. Man, those guys, uh I'm sure they know, but Sort out your jumps for your next video game. <laughs> game game was great, but you got to figure out like inertia and jumping on slopes and things like that, and and how to make the arc feel good. They know about it. Sorry, Chopimon. Jumps are weird, man. Jumps are weird. You got to get those jumps hardcore. Um, I feel like all of the Star Ocean games have been made for exactly me, and I've just never actually finished one. Mm-hmm. I'll freely admit. Yeah. There's a new one out, isn't it? Is it today? I, uh, today or yesterday, yeah. Today or yesterday, I'm a I'm a big boy, and uh, I'm gonna click OK on the Steam sale this year when it when it when it inevitably is you know some percent off more than fifteen or whatever. I'll buy it. I don't care. And then I'll who knows. I played the demo. It's cool. Oh yeah, the I I, w- I wanted to try the demo, but I figured I'd wait for the Steam sale to just buy it and then play the yeah. demo that way. <laughs> Um, here's here's an answer, which is every way forward game because they got oh, yeah, yeah yeah they got that great art. There's always that's a like, real grandma grandma sweater video games, dude. Yeah, because there's there's always an uh great art and there's like some idea that seems neat and then you play it and you're like, uh, come on. It's kind of incredible. I mean, no yeah. offense to uh, any of those people. Yeah, uh, you know who make games like that for. <laughs> <laughs> My my eternal bugbear with this is platinum. Oh, I mm. I love uh. like precision action Ninja Gaiden or you know Dark Souls. I guess yeah. I just cannot. I can't do it. Like I, I even like Devil May Cry, but like Bayonetta, um, Metal Gear Rising. Just none of it. It I don't know. It just feels so mashy to me, and it, it feels like it's the kind of thing that I should like. I love like parry mechanics and games and like really like precision presses, but it just never comes together into something I really. Metal Gear Rising is just such a hilarious concept. The <laughs> the the cutscenes and uh, the story are just like a work of modern art. And the combat, the 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 cool sword slicing, you can cut little slivers of dudes off. Uh, all of that stuff is really cool. It's just mm. there's so much in the combat that's not good. And every time I've ever tried to say I don't really like the combat, I get shouted down yeah. by a guy who has seen a couple memes. Uh, and says that it's actually really good. And it's like, no, I admit all that stuff is incredibly interesting art. It's just the kind of some of the game stuff isn't all there. I feel like Platinum, you know, just to talk about Platinum for a minute, I feel like the best Platinum games games are the ones ones that don't get talked about as much, uh, like Astral Chain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh the games that are not straight ahead action games. It's like Astral Chain is so many little genres and so many little ideas just kind of floating in a soup. And I feel like that makes it a much better game because you, you don't ever have to hunker down and zero in and laser focus on one element because they're always giving you options. So I feel like that's my favorite platinum game. I was really excited for Soul Cresta. Um oh, they're yeah. like yeah, Cresta Revival shooter. I got it on Switch 
for whatever reason. And when you're playing it on your HDTV, it actually has additional frames of lag versus in Tate mode. Oh, um, incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's quite a feat. Yeah, so it's basically unplayable on a TV. Like a, you don't want like six frames of lag in a shooter. Man. But it looks really cool. <laughs> if you can just learn to uh, anticipate the movements uh, six frames in advance. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. That's the <laughs> that's the the real that's the real challenge. That's the pro strat. That's how you play Dodonpachi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's basically the only way to play Dodonpachi. <laughs> uh, I got another answer, which is Final Fantasy Tactics, because I love tactics oh, yeah. games. I love little chunky little graphics. I love um, the the way that the PlayStation does transparencies and stuff. But I just uh, just don't like playing that game. Um, I've talked about that a million times on here. But like, Are you one of those people who died in like that rainy village battle uh, too many times and then said the game was broken? I know there's a lot of people like that. <laughs> yeah. I know. No, it's, it's <laughs> my my problems are uh, yeah. It's too slow and it's too sl- it's too slow to rotate the camera. It takes so long. Oh yeah. Um, well, they they had you know they. I mean, I, I don't like that you have to like run over and jump on top of the 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 items to pick them up um there there's just a lot of like little tiny little details that feel like they're designed to make you play the game for a longer time rather than have a better time during the time you're playing it yeah fft is one of those games where it it has a million like i like i like strategy games as well um uh, i like the good ones the big ones the you know the real you know russian literature sized ones mm-hmm. uh, the, i like the berwick saga for example that's my favorite my pick oh nice um i love bws berwick saga final fantasy tactics as a final fantasy game that feels like a fire emblem game uh kind of uh, really felt like it was right at the intersection of everything I would have wanted as a video game wanter in 1998 as yeah. a guy who loved to pretend he liked Fire Emblem, which I hadn't even played at that point yet, but I loved saying that Fire Emblem was cool and I was a big Shining Force fan and the Heck fact yeah. that they they were bringing I was a huge Ogre Battle fan, the fact that they were bringing uh, Final Fantasy and uh, uh, Ogre Battle and Tactics Ogre, which is the good one that I, of course, had not played, uh, but I loved, even though I hadn't played it at that point. I played it now. Great game. Uh, that that game was primed to be a game that was big for me, and now its legacy is that you can't escape that like one yep. dude who's played like three video games in his whole life who finds every single conversation in the world where people are ranking their favorite Final Fantasy games to say, FFT is the best one, though. The only FFT Ooh. I recognize is Fantastic French Toast. Uh, <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and where to find it? Uh, you know, my house on a Sunday morning. Uh, you know, we get the big old thick uh, brioche downstairs. You okay. know what I mean? Uh, that's the blood-curdling scream. It's time for <laughs> yeah, Steam Yeah, we Bob. got it. <laughs> you enter the town of Silent Hill in search of mm-hmm. Big Head. I've in the there. first abandoned home you search, you find a cryptic note which totally gives away that Silent Hill is a metaphor for how we're all stuck doing this show together for all time way too early, if mm-hmm. you think about it for more than two seconds. What's the right way to establish foreshadowing in a video game? Oh, no oh, jaggies. People hate those a... jaggies. Um... What? How to it's it's hard to establish foreshadowing in a video game because like I mean it <clears throat> there was a discussion on on the them internets recently about how 
people are like, oh, this thing is so obvious. And it's like, yeah, because the, the, like the filmmaker mm. correctly showed you that, the, that this thing was like it, you, you correctly read the text. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's okay. Uh, it, I think foreshadowing is like, for me, I prefer, <laughs> this is going to sound stupid. I prefer, uh, what I'm going to just right now call aft shadowing, <laughs> which is like something that I did not think was important at the time that I just thought was like a, you know, like a, a minor plot point later becomes important. And the fact that I paid attention to it is rewarded because, um, because it, it comes back around again. And that, that manga Dorohedoro does a great job with Dorohedoro. that where like, and I think it's possibly because she was writing it, like thinking of it as she was writing it, but she would, it, I get the sense that she would go back and mine her past content for a nugget of information or interest and then mm -hmm. blow that out in the future or the current thing. And then you're like, oh man, it's so that this was that. I like that kind of stuff because... It can often be mistaken for a uh, uh, forward-thinking world building. Yes. Uh, yeah. So so it's a world builder's, uh, a world builder's trick. Yeah. Uh, and I like that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's... That's a good way to do it. I'm no, I'm no good at that though. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more of the. Uh, I know writers who use subtext, and they're all coward, cowards, kind of a meme bro. Because I'm just, just not good enough at writing um, to, to do really good foreshadowing. Well, I'm the best, and I don't share my secrets with anyone. Um, but I will tell you. Just, I'll, I'll share one secret as a Halloween treat. As a Halloween treat, as a treat for everyone. Then this better not be a trick. Have an actor walk on after the credits and say, what are you still doing here to confirm that he's going to be in another movie later? Yeah, that's a good one. My my favorite way to foreshadow stuff in video games is... Uh, uh, is it, uh, this sounds this sounds like a joke? Is to make it interactive. Uh, Dragon Quest Seven's the best. The more time passes the, the, the between my having played Dragon Quest Seven and now, and uh, my experiments and and you know the wonderful recollections of every Dragon Quest game. Dragon Quest Seven really is the best at uh, foreshadowing a lot of plot stuff, and I feel like a thorough thorough exploration of that opening chunk of the game and anyone really like that's a really really good textbook of narrative design the first four hours or so of dragon quest 7 the infamous segment of dragon quest 7 that has no battles in it they foreshadow so many of the huge plot beats in there um when dragon quest 7 opens you're on an island that is the only island in the world i've talked about this on this very podcast before um uh, 151 episodes ago i believe uh, something like that, 156 episodes ago, something like that. Who cares? Uh, 151, 148. I don't know the numbers. Um, though you're it's the only island in the world, and everyone and there's if if you just go into houses in the towns and uh, and talk to people, you'll you'll they'll say stuff that's very uh, uh very indicative of how the story is going to go. Like a man deep in the castle says, "I found this map." Uh, in the castle vault uh, recently, and uh, look at this. Uh, th this cartographer must have had quite the imagination, because as you can see, there are multiple continents, not just our island. It's like, oh, that's pretty good. There's a guy who's like, I found a bunch of swords and spears in a in a, an old barn recently. Oh, yeah. I wonder what those are from, you know? 
uh, and you're learning how to rotate the camera, and then you rotate the camera uh, in every room you're in because it's fun, and you see some stairs that go under some other stairs, and you go down there, and there's like an extremely ominous-looking room behind a locked door. That's that's the cheapest and best trick in video game design, uh, narrative design, in my opinion, is the the locked door looking in on an ominous room at the very beginning of the game for which you won't get the key for another 80 hours or so. Yeah, it's, it's like the, the, the flip side of the um, treasure chests behind a locked door in the, in the first castle kind of thing, um, mm-hmm. which also works. Love that stuff. Dragon Quest invented that one, too. I think uh, bringing it back to, to Paradise Killer, it's not exactly foreshadowing, but I think they do a good job of revealing revealing information in a way that feels kind of organic because you're you're unraveling this mystery and so foreshadowing isn't really the the deal here it's like it's an unravel um but you get the sense that every you you have a pretty clear idea that everyone's hiding something but what and how is it related and so it all ties together in a way the game is kind of deliberately obtuse um early on and throws a bunch of information at you but it's 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 unwound in such a diligent way even though you can get the information from different sources across different times um it's 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 unraveled so nicely that like by the time you get to the end of the game you know what happened you're just you're just like now i'm gonna prove it uh and it 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 works super well like Oh, are we done? Yeah, that is, in <laughs> fact, the sound of the pipe organ, which means it's time to move on. Oh, no. Oh, we're get- no. <laughs> we're getting close to the town square now, until okay. a low chorus of moans fills your ears with dread. Oh. As it gets louder and closer, you can recognize the voices. It's a horde of insert credit forum zombies asking the <laughs> stupidest questions you've ever heard. Okay. It's time for a return to insert credit questions too stupid for the dirt bag. Very good. Uh-oh. King Tub asks, if a deli had a Jill sandwich, what would the sandwich be? <laughs> uh, PB&J. Uh, like some kind of panini that you'd have to press. You'd press on it. Oh, P- yeah. PB- PB&J is, is uh, pa- parasites, biohazards, and Jill. It would be a sandwich full of dill pickles made by a Russian person. Give <laughs> <laughs> some Jill. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I mean, that's that's uh, the objective correct answer. <laughs> Root Fifth Octave asks, of all the Smash Bros, which is the smashiest? Oh, how do we define uh, smashing? Yeah, what's the... Is that the sex one or is it the, the hit Well, one? there's only two bros in the whole game. There's only two bros and it's Mario and Luigi. Oh, aren't uh, are Waluigi and, and Wario not bros? No. Well, first of all, Waluigi's not a Smash Bro. And yeah, well, second whatever. of all, their relationship is never defined. Yeah, right. Waluigi, Waluigi not being in Smash Bros is uh, a, a topic of 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 uh, Much discourse that has uh, that has kind of exploded far outside the sphere of people who have ever played Smash Bros. At this point, are there no fraternal fire emblems in Smash? There's got there's got to be Wait, two brothers. Aren't, aren't the aren't the um, you got Ike and Marth aren't the Snow Bros in there? Snow uh, Bros, the Ice uh, Climbers. Yeah, Popo and Nana, but they're not brothers. Dang yeah, brothers. that's true. Is Louie Captain Olimar's brother? No. Oh, that's a question for the ages. Yeah. Hmm. The question was not which of them is the brotherest. It's it true. was it's which of them is the smashiest. smashiest. Who has a hammer? Yeah. To that, I think I would have to say Shulk because all of the letters of Hulk are in his name. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. Shulk. Yeah. He wields the Monado as well. The so Monado, yes, He does yeah. with the Monado. 
I, I think that's the name of the sword. <laughs> that's a joke about uh, anybody who's played a Xenoblade Chronicles 1, which I like to refer to as Xenoblade. Anyone who's played that game will uh, will appreciate my joke about how I think the sword is called. <laughs> if you've played the game for more than two yeah, hours, yeah. you'll appreciate my joke. Thank you for listening uh, to it. Uh, I thank watched you. it played for about 30 minutes, and I, I yeah, the Minato. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the name of the sword. <laughs> yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, our last question for this segment comes from Corey, uh, which it, uh, who asks, What's up, Corey? What is the, did you know Super Mario Brothers 2 is actually a reskin of Doki Doki Panic of not video games? Uh, hmm. 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 I mean, there's plenty of those. Yeah, there's a lot of those. There's, there's like the. That's actually not a stupid question, so. Yeah, yeah that's a pretty good one. Yeah, I threw that. I threw that in so we'd have something to actually talk about. Did Did you know there's there's extra scenes in the Chinese version of this Chinese funded film like that that uh, that comes up a lot in the last ten years. Suppose so. Iron Man three's got that one, right? Where Tony Stark has to talk to a Chinese scientist who's actually smarter than him. Yeah. For like thirty seconds, the Dark Knight's got that. Isn't there that um, uh, Angel's Egg recut as like a B movie? Angel's Egg is like a avant garde, but there should be anime. Yeah, I think there is. I think there's like an '80s like radioactive post-apocalyptic future thing that just has footage from Angel's Egg like spliced into it. Well, I'll watch it. Give yeah, it sounds kind of cool. Let's just go <laughs> ahead and say that instead of not video games, the question is of movies. That's actually yeah. uh, that's a more uh, a more focused way to discuss this because otherwise, uh... okay. So first of all, Super Mario Brothers Two Mario Madness is a reskin <laughs> of Doki Doki Panic. It's yes. not like it's not it. So it it it's not like uh, did you know artificial sweeteners? Uh, uh, they are they they have just as many calories as sugar or whatever like nonsense that I've heard people tell me in the supermarket a million times. People will not stop walking up to me when I'm buying a Coke Zero. You look like a guy who wants to know something wrong. You know, <laughs> so it's like it's like I, I've got I've got that face. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess so. It's uh, uh, so I mean, obviously, what what's some stuff that's true? And let's say about movies. What about so? This isn't a reskin; it's just a retitle. But like, mm-hmm. uh, re- the Road Warrior being called Mad Max a lot of places. Yeah, you know, it's called Mad Max Two. It's just called Mad Max Two in Australia. Right, it's true. Yeah, it's just and then they just didn't think Mad Max had any uh, had any cachet here. In the U.S., so they they rebooted it. I have one. Uh, yeah. The movie The Madness of King George was released mm-hmm. in America under that title, as opposed to The Madness of George the Third, because they were concerned that American audiences would feel like they missed the first two. Mm. <laughs> ah, which we did. There was only one Mad King George, so I mean, we didn't really need to. Uh... But we did miss the first two Georges. What what did they do? Was there a sad King George? I would say uh, that the uh, the Eng- the American English title is superior. I'm putting my stamp of approval on it. Nice. It's snappy. It's more regal. The king is strong. It's a strong word for the so, title. Yeah, the king's a good word to have in your title. Yeah. It just is. I don't care what Man, you Man, there's, there's some total... Uh, there's some re-edits in the 90s that I'm blanking on that, that like, totally changed mm-hmm. the movies. I just These can't. facts need not pertain to, you know, the titles of movies or... Sure, no. Or whatever, right? No, like, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about, like, Dawn of the Dead had, like, four cuts, which were for, uh, 
like the Italian yeah. market. I was thinking like, about this one too. Dario Argento did did a cut, and then there mm-hmm. was so there was there's a bunch of those. Is any of them as good as Resident Evil though, dude? Probably uh, yeah, not. probably not. Um, <laughs> the, the the Highlander two had three different cuts. The Quickening. Yeah, we we watched Highlander two, the Quickening, Highlander two. Um, what's the other one? There's 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 three. There can only be one though. It's yeah, true. It's true, and it, that's the quickening. <laughs> they broke their own goddamn thing. God, yeah. Michael Ironside in there, dude. There's actually, I think Lucio Fulci did like a sequel to one of those Dawn of the Dead recut, like Zombie uh, Two. Yeah, I think zom- is a- Zombie Two. But it, it, the the cut of Dawn of the Dead in Italy was called Zombie, mm-hmm. and then Fulci did Zombie Two, un- completely unrelated to the the movie but capitalizing on the title and and like if you want to go that route it's It's like it's like every italian movie in the 90 in the 80s basically i uh so i i just want to say two things real quick number one is uh i I, i've told this story on this podcast before you know we're getting to that uh that uh that age i suppose where i i did walk up to michael ironside in the press room (laughs) <laughs> where he was getting his free lunch uh, during an E3 one year. We'll leave the year nebulous because uh, it's more fun. Uh, where he was there in a, a representative capacity for the Splinter Cell games. First of all, Ubisoft, make a new Splinter Cell game. This series is cool. And I walked up to him and I was like, dude, I love Highlander 2 so much. And he goes, he just looked at me and went, yeah. <laughs> he's like oh yeah like like just he said oh yeah and he's got like his like his big vegetarian sandwich in his hand which is like oh it's michael iron is a man with the last name Ironside a vegetarian is that legal you know it's like uh, yeah. that was uh that was that was pretty cool um and then i mean or, or was he just did he just naively pick up whichever abandoned sandwich uh he had encountered on the table well that's a mystery for the ages number two thing i'm about to tell you is i typed the words movie facts into google okay <laughs> oh, no. and I, I received the autocomplete recommendation movie facts movie facts website movie facts and trivia recommendation number four movie facts you didn't know i'm yeah. about to click on it so here we go what's the top one did you know james cameron drew that charcoal uh, of naked kate winslet in titanic yeah <laughs> i did not know that did you know that blade runner originally didn't have a narration oh my god okay that's actually not in here uh, i just came up with that off the top of my head because i saw the word android any discussion of differences in the versions of blade runner that yeah. is movies is equivalent of yeah, that could yeah, be yeah. that's it of, uh, that's definitely of Doki Doki it. panic any discussion about blade runner although according to google it's it's that james cameron drew the charcoal drawing of kate winslet that's uh, incorrect. that was used in titanic the correct answer is blade runner uh, we'll be yeah, right back definitely. after a short break. Good news. My complete set of uh, Halle Berry Catwoman trading cards are here. Oh, nice. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> nice work. That'll be great. I was starting to worry they wouldn't show up. Did you play that GBA game, Jaffe? <laughs> I did not play that GBA game. Well, tell you what. You should play the GBA game. Like, get get it on your... I don't know. You probably don't have a mister, but um, get it on an emulator or something. Sure. Because the, the movement and jumping around in that game is actually really good. Huh. Cat- you'll, you'll be surprised. Yeah, the Catwoman GBA game has really good, really good feeling movement and like roof traversal and stuff. It's, it's sort of like isometric, but it feels really good to move around it. So check it out. I'll give that a shot. Yeah, I played that game. As a yeah. svelte and sexy creature, fully blessed with formidable assets, both feline and feminine, oh, no. gamers stalk oh, evil no. in the night to bring justice back <laughs> home to a troubled city. This part's not my fault. Svelte and sexy? 
feminine and feminine. That's, feminine. that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's too F much F. for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll take one yeah, or the other. Dial it back, Halle Berry. Welcome back to Insert Credit. Uh, you're at the part of every survival horror scenario where you need to find a key to open a door. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is also the part of the game where you have to put your hand into a creepy hole you can't see the bottom of. Oh, hand like a hole. Temple of <laughs> You know something terrible's gonna happen when you put your hand in, but you yeah. gotta do it. Gotta do uh, it. What's the biggest risk you feel like you've taken in a video game? Or when have you had to do something in a video game that you really didn't want to do, but you had to do it anyway? Oh, interesting. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is actually... Um, I think it was Resident Evil 2. I was walking through like a n normal part of an office building or whatever, and then there's a room that has just like sickening hacking sounds, like somebody's getting chopped up, and there's like a ambiguous piece of meat on there, but I, ca I can only catch a glimpse of what's happening, and I have to, my perspective has been narrowed, and I have to walk into this room to progress because it's the only direction you can go. And uh, I actually, uh, as, a, as a teen youth, I I turned I turned the console off and didn't didn't play further because I was like I don't want to do it I don't want to be a part of whatever this is <laughs> I don't want to go over there I just won't and then I didn't the first time I played PT I was just it was like a computer monitor and I'm like a foot away from it and I'm wearing headphones and you got jump scared no 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 you do a couple loops and then the eraser head baby negs you and then you like she's like standing in the the hallway right and it's like okay now walk and I just like broke down sobbing just like could yeah. not do it yeah. could not move um and i've never played pt again but it's a 10 out of 10 are you yeah you got the whole experience yeah that was it i didn't i didn't need to get jump scared like i i, I great game but i don't yeah. want to play it again same thing happened with alien isolation actually it saw me and i was like no i'm not doing this <laughs> but i, I would say that the more common scenario is like um and and it's very boring and unfortunate is i'm going along in a game and then there's like a puzzle that I was supposed to get a cue, a clue for, and I didn't. And it's like, find the numbers for this locker. And it's like, man. And then I just look it up uh, because I don't, I don't want to interact. Shoot, yeah. So it's yeah. just like I, I don't want to do this, and so I'm going to look it up. And then, uh, sorry to this puzzle. I once made a Goichi Suda like literally, I think, actually mad at me early in my acquaintance with him. When I told him that the silver case had like the worst intro I've ever played in a video game, oh, God. Uh, because <laughs> it's like two hours of like walking back and forth across like some radio control tower, yeah. uh, like finding these. Ha have, has anyone here played? Silver yeah, case? you're I've getting the like little, of it. little pieces of a code to unlock a lock, and it takes so long. And it is so boring. I was like, you should have made that puzzle a little. You just make it make it one puzzle instead of having to do it eight times. And he was like upset. He got like gent like like gently upset. I would say. <laughs> I think I like accidentally offended him because uh, we were talking about Silver Case for some reason. I mean, I know what reason it was. It's just you know, there's you know, that's the end of that story. Yes. What was, was the question? What's the riskiest thing you've ever done? Yeah, I, I gave you kind of a multiple choice. Yeah, so I mean, mine is also related to PT. Uh, my, I knew what the question was. I was just uh, asking. <laughs> I was saying that as rhetorically to, uh, you know, reintroduce the, the idea. The riskiest thing I ever did in a video game was uh, live on stream many, many, many times. First of all, the live streaming dynamic uh, really uh, shakes things up and makes uh, makes risks uh, bigger, right? 
riskiest thing I ever did in a video game many, 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 many times is uh, whip open the uh, storage uh, tab of my PlayStation 4 <laughs> and uh, say, I, I say I got to delete stuff and then open up, like check the box by PT and hover the cursor over delete. So I can probably delete this, right? Oh, and, no. uh, and then have people in the chat screaming at me. That's pretty good. I did it a lot. I would. I, it was something I did quite often in the the early days of PT having been deleted. Back when it was known, it was not yet known you could re-download it from like Sony's server or whatever. Yeah. I like knowing that I have a a PlayStation Four Pro in my closet, which yeah. uh, PT was delisted before the PS Four Pro even came out. Yeah. Same. Uh, interestingly, wanna feel old, right? So it's uh, <laughs> I I had to like link my PS4 Pro and my PlayStation 4 together to like transfer all the stuff over my my router and I was like oh, I got P I got I got PT in here. I can have PT anywhere except you can't put it in your PS5. So Yeah, your PS5 won't run it. It used to before they came out. I keep my PS4 Pro on hand just so I I can say I still own PT. Yeah, I've been thinking about selling that P- PlayStation 4 because it still has value at this point and I don't need it. Um but I do have PT on it and that that like gives me pause but it's stupid because like i don't know i'm not gonna play it i could just watch videos yeah i have that ps4 in my closet for pt but when i was playing final fantasy 15 i loaded up the the dinky demo that they uh they put out oh yeah play as noctis as a child and i was gently amused by that um and then i put the ps4 back in the closet because there's no other way to play that part is there yeah no, there's nothing else. It's delisted too. It's delisted. Oh man, I gotta get that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I have that demo too. So I'm excited to know I still have that. It's interesting that you can't play that anymore. Uh, seeing as the uh, the all releases of Final Fantasy 15 are just like cereal boxes containing cereal boxes containing toys containing cereal boxes. Yeah, just put it out. You know, there. just all the way yeah. down. It's like like that like that game is so bountifully stuffed with stuff. When you add up all the DLCs and all and of the... give me the rest of that stuff. You might as well just throw the demo in there, Squeenix. Uh, pump it in there. That's the sound of a flock of bats flapping their wings, so we need to move on. You've reached the Cyclopean Nexus of Silent Hill, and there you see him. A man with a head so large it could only be achieved through a code you got from a magazine that was input in the start menu. Unfortunately for you, as Big Head is a manifestation of your own psyche... This encounter is unwinnable. As you make your desperate escape, you have to wonder, should video games even have unwinnable scenarios? I don't like them. I like them. They're fundamentally dishonest. Uh, However, uh, is honesty the... uh, Is honesty the goal? Is that the goal of uh, all video games uh, all the time? I don't know. Um, You know what sucks is when there's a boss, you know, here just kind of sitting around the, uh, the convenience store, talking, you know, smoking weed inside, the manager's yelling at us. Um, I take a big puff of my, my, my big bud blunt and I say, uh, you know, what sucks is when there's a boss in a game and you think it's unbeatable and then he kills you and it's game over, dude. Yeah. You know, you ever, you ever had one of those? <laughs> I have had one. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, wait, was I, you're just like, was I like supposed to kill that guy? I have smoked that metaphorical blunt. I yeah, really yeah. truly do not like when you're presented with an enemy that is is like i guess quote supposed to be unbeatable or something or or they just seem like they're supposed to be really tough but you're like i'm 
savvy enough at this game that I can make it work. And then they get down to one HP and then they're just invincible. Just don't present me with that scenario at any time. Yggdra Union did that like multiple times Uh until I stopped playing it. That's a Sting Tactics RPG. Yeah. Sting is legit. Baroque. I like a lot of their games, but like, man, just don't. If if I can be clever enough to get to get an enemy down to one HP, I don't know. Let me defeat them and they go away and come back or something. Don't make me lose, especially if you have permanent per, like permadeath on characters and stuff. Like that's whatever. You know what the best unwinnable scenarios in all of video games in all of video game history? Just the champion, the king of all. Yeah, is uh, them goddamn from software games, which yeah, begin I was with gonna say. Yeah. begin with an invincible boss who you absolutely can't kill, who's definitely going to kill you, and you're definitely going to die. And then, two, three hundred hours later, you've smoked so much weed that you roll a new character and just kill it. And you're like, what? I'm level zero (laughs) and I killed that guy? That's the best. The Uh, one at the beginning of Sekiro is really good. Yeah, dude. Say That's probably the best one. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, And he still, he still owns you, even when you beat him. Yeah, and it's like, Man, and then just being able to, it's like, oh, you can actually kill that guy, and it's actually not that hard in, like, every From Software game. It's like, it's not really that hard to kill this guy, but it, it completely kills you the first time. If you if you do kill that boss the first time, does that invalidate the subtitle of the game, Shadows Die Twice? Because, like, if, if, if you don't die at all. Oh, no, you, you end up dying. There's there's okay. a death. There's a canonical death. Uh, okay that occurs uh it's just it's a little different and then you do get some sort of bonus treat a sort of bonus trinket treat uh for for defeating the bosses love a btt you know i mean in like elden ring your guy just like falls off the <laughs> the ledge when you go through the door uh which is very funny it, it's the best part is coming back, Come and, back uh, and kill you, the door you actually murder that boss later in the game as yeah. like a speed bump uh in every from software game secular is a little more uh a little more elegant. Because Sekiro has you fight that guy like eight times or something. Yeah. So by the time you get back to the new game plus, you're like really intimate with his moveset. And so that's yeah. when it's like this like, oh, you did it. Like It's it's very story significant in Sekiro. It's 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 played uh, masterfully in there. Whereas in every other From Software game, it's played as like a speed bump and kind of a lull where it's like, oh, wow, you can just go back and kill this guy. And he's not even, this guy's not even a real boss. He's just kind of hanging out. You got killed by a guy who was just hanging out, you loser, which is uh, really fun uh, when you get to that point in every one of those games. Speaking of Sting, uh, you know, they made mm-hmm. a, a Baroque uh, Crossy Road. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Baroque road. road. Yeah, I played that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just wanted to put that out there. Crossy Road. Yeah, I road. played it. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't very good or anything. Crossy yeah. Road, yeah. Thank at you. least they made it. Um, good for I them. I can't imagine it did very well for them. I hope it didn't take them very long. Yeah, I thought about buying some some stuff but. jeffy i want to let you know that i thought uh uh crossy roke instead of baroque road and then i decided i'm just gonna say baroque road <laughs> well thank you for leaving me the other joke to make myself baroque road yeah thank you so should games have unwinnable scenarios uh yes as long as they are played masterfully like a like a magic trick violin uh games should have unwinnable bosses yeah games should just be perfect more yeah yeah games should just be <laughs> more like elden ring dude that sounds right i don't know elden ring's got some problems i've played enough to know that yeah. but it's still a heck of a game to just bring up when you're sitting around the convenience store smoking weed and the manager's yelling at you telling you to get out of here with that weed uh it's just a heck of a game to bring up just be like elden ring's cool dude i was very sad that i didn't like elden ring very much 
Ah, man. It's going to be... I know. A... I know I'm wrong. Oh, well, here's the thing that I actually think. This is weird, and I don't know what my qualifications are for saying this, aside from having played lots of video games. I feel like lots of people are going to come back to Elden Ring in like eight years, and you're, even you, you're going to just go, yeah, that game rules, whatever, you know? Yeah. No, I totally believe it. Yeah, it's like, I, I feel like there was a, it is so much of a game, you know? There's so much to it that it's like... Yeah. I've tried starting it a couple times now, and every time it just kind of overwhelms me. Yeah. yeah. It's just, there's so much to it. There's so much of it. There's so much variety, so yeah. much stuff that it's like the only way to play it in like less than two years is to burn out on it, is, is one nah. thing. And I'm sure you have valid uh, concerns aside from just burning out on it, playing yeah. it too too fast or whatever but it's like i feel like a lot of people got burned by the, just the sheer generosity of it i play those games religiously so i have a pretty good sense of their scaling and their pacing mm -hmm. and everything and i was like okay i know what this is they've done an open world so i'll explore it sort of the way it feels like it should be and then i get to the the town with a tree and i'm like okay well this seems like it's close to the this is this is coming mm -hmm. to a crescendo and then the game was like here's a whole other like 35% of the map and the scaling yeah. feels a little off and it's kind of barren and it feels a little phoned in and we didn't quite finish it. And I know they've patched all that kind of since, since I stopped playing, they've patched a lot of stuff in. Yeah. They've, they've patched it pretty hardcore. Yeah. Which is why I totally believe that in two years I'll come back and it'll be great. Those but. staccato strings mean it's time to move on in your narrow escape from big head. You seem to have discovered a pathway you weren't supposed to find. Oh yeah, I did. Following it to an unmarked room on any map, you inadvertently discover the true power behind Silent Hill. A tiny dog at the control panel to a bank of monitors. <laughs> oh, so it was you all along. <laughs> who, uh, who are, so, rather, so you were the one behind all this. <laughs> <laughs> who are the most unexpectedly influential figures in the game industry? Unexpectedly influential? Hmm. Yeah, people you wouldn't think would have that much power and influence, but do, either historically or currently. That's a tough one. I mean, influence is a, is a nebulous beast to define, yeah, as it, it were. It sure is. Track. I mean, I guess I would say, broadly, abstractly, it's it's unexpected for a certain type of person yeah. that uh, that QA, uh, in general, has hmm. such a huge influence yeah, that's on... The, that's, yeah. Uh, and, and it should have a big influence, because they... They know what they're doing, and they get they get things done, and they they um, show you your blind spots and stuff, and that's really um, important. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I can't name any specific names because that's the nature of our industry. LOL. And it's real <laughs> fun to get mad at QA and blame them for yeah uh, for the stuff that you did. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> How dare they find this mistake I made? Close the Jira ticket with the most like just try to like nuclear Cold War level escalation back and forth on your passive aggressive uh please fix you know a guy says please fix this and the q oh you're you're asking me for favors now you tell the guy at the coffee machine and then you blast him in the nuts just with your <laughs> with your big boots and then i uh, and then he punches you in the neck and you throw up yeah that's how yeah. it eventually gets yeah that's right you're asking me for favors now <laughs> And then the, the director of the game gets so mad that he ends up, like, getting, uh, I don't know, canceled or whatever, you know, <laughs> uh, eventually a few years down the line. So QA is influential in that way. So mm -hmm. there it is. Here, here's, here's another one that's ambiguous, which is any, any press person that was around 
through the 80s and 90s to 2000s um, that uh-huh. saw and played and commented on early builds of things um, is very secretly behind the scenes influential on stuff mm-hmm. because they're quite often the first person outside of the development team that sees it and then they have a reaction to it and then the game kind of has to re had to react to that at that time um and like as an example there's a guy named i think dan jevins who was a journalist and girl jevins and played uh quake for the saturn and was like you know what you should have is you should have a control scheme where you can or maybe it was um it was uh, duke nukem first Duke Nukem 3D. So you should have a, a control scheme where you can look up and down by hitting the face buttons. Um, and so mm. they they implemented, like, in around 1995, many of the very first implementations of twin-stick controls happened on all the consoles simultaneously. And uh, and one of them on the Saturn was the, what became known as Jevons controls. And it was because of this one journalist who was like, you know oh. what you should do, dude, you should do huh. this thing that that's like similar to what Turok does because he had played Turok before Turok came out and then told the, the, the um, um, lobotomy software that it would feel good if they did that. I thought it was pronounced Lobotomy. Oh, Lobotomy, sorry. Lobotomy software that they should do something like that, and then they called it Jevons Controls. It's pretty pretty cool. I have a half half written article about the um the the beginnings of twin stick controls that I should finish someday. Dan Jevons. I always thought the phrase lobotomy was kind of redundant. It doesn't have to be both those things. Secretly so, influential, uh Shigeru Miyamoto's wife. <laughs> oh yeah, right. yeah. Yes. God. It's a wee wife and mother. I love the story of Shigeru Miyamoto's wife because it's like all those Nintendo stories where it is 101% surface level. The Nintendo uncle is real almost. There's like nothing past it. It's just something a guy said in an interview once that is then canonized by the millions of Nintendo fanboys uh, on the internet. Shigeru Miyamoto once said that uh, he thinks of his wife when designing a video game it's like okay yeah. that's weird uh so that's so miyamoto's wife she's she's yeah. responsible for everything but i also like the um i can't remember the name but there's a <laughs> miyamoto's um, unnamed wife <laughs> anonymous wife yeah <laughs> the nameless wife of miyamoto that's a silent hill boss right there dude sega yeah. pro- product designer who did all those uh like the did the Saturn Stinger and the and the 3D controller for Saturn and yeah. uh, all those things and and like secretly built into the Stinger two spots to put AA batteries that aren't connected to anything and they're just there for weight so that you can make the weight of the gun more to your taste because you can put it in the handle or in the muzzle. Um, that guy's pretty secretly influential because he just did all kinds of like uh, hardware design things that wound up influencing game design that we would not have otherwise games we wouldn't have had. The most secretly influential people in video games are most of them yeah. uh, that are making them uh, because yes. you know you don't really know who ninety nine percent of them are. Uh, yeah, Nintendo people know like five five Nintendo yeah. employees. There's got to be so many legit people at Nintendo. There's got to yeah. be. In, They're hiding in, somewhere. Yeah, what about Gunpei Yokoi's wife? Yeah, yeah. She oh. tested the Wonder Swan. Uh, so it's uh, there's got to be so many legit people at Nintendo who just have the job title employee who yeah. have worked in programming, level design, game design, art, like whatever, like just kind of a cosmic gumbo of stuff that they've worked on that uh, they're just called employee and they're just in the credits somewhere as like a special thanks or whatever. And it's like uh, 
guy who solved a, a incredibly difficult problem that is now just a, a rule that will never be named after anyone, much less him. You know, it's like whoever invented Z-targeting in Zelda, uh, Zelda 64 is, is responsible for just the success of all of the From Software Dark Souls games and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's, there's somebody in there. Yeah, there's got to be a, a secret dude. And that's why he's secretly influential. He's the dog at the bank of monitors. Not so much of a secret, I guess, but to your point about the the Saturn hardware designer, I, I think a lot about Yu Suzuki designing the Dreamcast. I mean, as far as it's credited, it's credited to him. I'm sure, you know, it was a, a group effort. I'm sure he didn't just sculpt it out of clay, but like, Certainly. I think a lot about uh, Yu Suzuki designing the Dreamcast and then making Shinmu after like three years of trying to get Shinmu running on the Saturn and like that, like you software and hardware uh, communication. Yeah. We don't think about software influencing hardware, but I think on the Dreamcast, you can really see like all the software there is like mundane places, all the really interesting stuff. And like, yeah, in the in the arcade era, like so software was outstripping the hardware at such a rate that they had to make new hardware because they were like, oh, I really wish we could do this. And then they'd make hardware that could do that. Um, yeah. The superscalar stuff. Like, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I think we've answered that question enough with okay. the true power behind Silent Hill Uncovered. What spooky sound happened? Oh, yes. Uh, it was a peal of thunder. Good. Uh, let's say that. Thank you. Uh, with the true power behind Silent Hill uncovered, <laughs> Big Head fades away into the mist. It's time to go home. Okay. But the town itself seems to resist your escape as the geography twists into unnavigable chaos. Rude. A and the only way out is to impose order. To do that, we have to rank the Silent Hill games from best to worst. Oh, oh wow. shoot. Oh, no. This will take, what, like three minutes? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm still playing through them. So. Well, so, so, like, is the best one one two? or two? It's, two? it's one or two, and I'm not sure. I think it might be three. Oh, well, I mean. <laughs> is that the new answer? Three is my favorite. Is that the new generation's answer, three? So, I mean, I'm playing three right now, so I'm probably a little biased, but I'm guessing four isn't the best, so. Three is for sure my favorite one. Three is really cool. Four is neat, three is favorite, uh, two is best, one is the one that started it all. Yeah. Like, uh, two is the objectively best one, IMO. Yeah. Three is my personal favorite. Four is a good video one game. One is a toss-up for being best also, though. I think four, one is really good. Yeah. yeah, one is one is good. Two has these like inspired decisions, like the cutscenes running at sixty, but the game running at thirty, like these like mm -hmm. yeah. presentation decisions that I think are, yeah. are really phenomenal. I don't I don't know that in the play I would say that two is like a revelation in the way that I think one was and three so far is. Like I, I but wasn't two, two narratively is is yeah. the one I guess um... yeah two narratively is definitely. You gotta, like, w when you get your Konamis, uh, it's always the second one is always the best. Uh, Tokimeki Memorial, Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Parodius. Whether it's your favorite one or not. Parodius, yeah, why not yeah. throw that in there? Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it, I mean, two is where they always, I think they nailed it in two, uh, TBH. Castlevania, that penguin game that Kojima did. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gotta love that Pango game. Okay, so, uh, do we rank it by favorite or best? I mean that that's the, the old, old thing when it comes to when it comes to making a list. Uh, if it if it helps to know the likes of ancient video game publications such as IGN when ranking the 100 best video games of all time, always put something like Super Mario Brothers one or Tetris on yeah. the top 
instead of, for example, Super Mario Brothers 3, which is objectively better than Super Mario Brothers 1. So in other words, if you want to be not like like an ancient video game publication, by all means, split, you know, let let uh, uh, fall off the fence on the side of favorite. Yeah, let's, let's choose favorite and we'll say 3 is number 1, 2 is number 2, 1 is number 3, 4, four is, number is number 4. four. And then after that, we got it. The rest are in a big garbage pile. The rest are in a pile. <laughs> no, the the, the the big old pile of trash. Probably after that, you got your um, what is it? Fragile dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, shattered memories. Shattered, shattered memories. memories. <laughs> Fragile dreams is also a Wii game. Though. Basically the same. Shadow of memories. That game's actually pretty good. <laughs> Shadow of memories is cool, yeah. Um, and then so that's probably number is that five. A Silent Hill game? And then <laughs> basically, it, you got Origins, Homecoming, and Downpour. Are the other Down- ones. Downpour. Well, oh yeah. I think I think Townfall is a little above Downpour. To be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where does Play Novel factor in? Wait, can we can we put the uh, the new ones on here as well? F Townfall <laughs> if, and uh, if you want Silent Hill Two remake. Let's, let's, let's put and them on there. Let's Ascension. put Silent Hill uh, F. Uh, let's put that uh, under Silent Hill Four. Yeah, number yeah. five. Okay. Number five. And then let's put the remake under that one. Yeah, under that one, and then put Townfall under that. Yeah. Because it's and Annapurna. No, Townfall. Get... You know, Townfall being an Annapurna joint kind of feels like it should down. be at the very, like, like either at the very bottom or one spot above the very bottom. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. No offense to Annapurna. I just, uh, I've never actually played a video game that they made. I've just seen thirty second. Let's let's so let's put Shattered <laughs> Shattered Memories under remake. Um, okay. Which one's the one that's got Pyramid Head in it? That's a joke. <laughs> um, and then we'll put. Uh, Origins, because that was on the PSP. We'll put that below Shattered Memories. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and then we'll put um, Homecoming below that, and then Downfall uh, under Downpour. Townfall. Okay. Downpour okay. under Townfall. Downpour Townfall. We've we've neglected a game here. PT. Ah. Oh yeah, Silent Hills. Does PT count? I think it counts. Okay, it's okay. software. It absolutely does count because it is a Silent Hill. It was to be a Silent Hill. Yeah, PT does count. I think PT is better than three, personally. Uh, I would put it under four myself, is what I would do. Really? Really? You know, it it being unfinished and it being rage-inducing that that, uh, Kojima ended up getting ousted. Kojima was... You know what? Maybe he was the most secretly influential guy in video. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was Kojima. Guillermo del Toro was the most secretly influential guy in video games. Uh... Who's this Kojima guy? No, no. He uh, he made Metal Gear. Oh, uh, right. Or yeah. the MSX. I know that. Which one. Uh, secretly invented stealth uh, because <laughs> of the limitations of the hardware. Yeah. Penguin Adventure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he made that one. <laughs> Beautiful game. It's cool. I say we split the difference and put it in between one and two. That's weird to me. For PT. Above yeah. one is too is too high. For me, no, no, I, it's got to be under one. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, between one and put four. It over, over over four is fine. Over four is okay. I like it being somewhere in the mix of the four numbered sentences. Yeah, okay. Kills. I think four is actually pretty good. If anybody had four any, is good and interesting for sure. If anybody had any uh, any what's the word misgivings about Silent Hill four, uh, did you know they made a lot of really bad ones right after that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Check out four and see how much it is not a bad one at all. Our very own Azure Laura Corrigan really likes that game quite a lot. Wonderful game. So. I'm really excited to get to it. Where do we put Silent Hill Patch a slot? Um, uh, well, you, you did forget Play Novel. What's the Play Novel one again? Is that like It's a, like a Game um, Boy Advance like VN of the first game, I think. Okay. I like it. Yeah, let's rank that. Um, Just put that on top just to be <laughs> weird. 
Let's put it. Let's put it above uh, Silent Hill 2 remake. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it's, I like it's that. probably yes. better than that. Yeah, I like that. And then we have. Oh, sorry. What was the last one we missed? Oh, the Patchy Slot. Yeah. Patchy Slot. We'll put um, right below Shattered Memories. That sounds right. Yeah. All right. That sounds pretty there, good. There are probably some other spin-offs, but whatever. Where are we going to put Tokimeki Memorial 2? That's a joke for three people in the audience to get. Right at the top. That's a joke for three people in the audience to get. But uh, yes, thank you. Uh, thank you, all of you, for listening. Thank you. How about uh, Silent Hill Book of Memories, the oh, uh, PlayStation we... Vita game? Oh, that's right. Um, Let's just not cares. put that, yeah. Oh, just, yeah, just put it's it below. DQ. Put that on the DQ list. It's disqualified. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or put it below Dampor. How about Siren? Siren is above. Uh, yeah. No, just kidding. Uh, yeah, Siren's, that, that Siren's up between. Uh, it's it's uh, technically can't put the whole Siren series in like number three. Yeah, no, just, Siren's uh, incredible. A shadow, a shadow three. Uh, it's a three in parentheses. I like thinking about Siren. Don't like playing it. I like thinking about Siren, and I like playing Siren. Uh, oh. So uh, thank you for making Siren. Uh, All Siren. right, I got uh, entertainment. Th- there's also Silent Hill the Arcade. Oh yeah, of course. Don't like uh, that one. What was that? I actually didn't play that. Don't like that was one. Was it a light gun game? <laughs> oh, are we all looking it up right now? <laughs> there was a Silent Hill like happening. There was like a Sleep No More style Silent Hill uh, event. Yeah, there was that. Hmm. How do you even rank that though? Uh, right at the top. Okay, so Silent Hill the arcade does appear to be a light gun game. So that's cool. I mean, it's not going to be very Silent Hillish. I'd play it. <laughs> I'd play it right now. Is it like Resident Evil Dead Aim? Because that'd be cool. Resident Evil Dead Aim is so cool. Yeah, it looks really cool. I just found about that like the other day. I really want to play it. You know, with the gun con? Yeah. You're going to gun con, Love man? that gun con. I don't I have one to... yet. I need to. You get one. Dude, I, I kind of want to... They should have ported this to consoles. I would have played this. Silent Hill um, the arcade? Yeah, it's it's an it's an hour-long light gun game, which is really Ow. long. Yeah, love the <laughs> yeah. length. Uh, here, here, here! I am shooting a pyramid head. If you can get me in and out of a pyramid head shooting experience in less than sixty-one minutes, uh, I'm all for it. <laughs> and and here and here's a line of dialogue. Maybe, comma, we capital W are all already dead, and we have gone to the other side. No, no punctuation after that. Oh, I, I mean, love it. uses elements from Silent Hill Two, Silent Hill Three, and Silent Hill Four: The Room. Such as locations, monsters, and music. The locations indicates that there's probably a scene that takes place in the room from Silent yeah. Hill 4. Mm. Wikipedia's got a picture of the protagonists here, and they look... Eric. Yeah, they look fun. Eric? Anyway, I'm going to... I'm Having watched a, a, a playthrough on YouTube, I'm going to say <laughs> that we um, put it above... Um, the Silent Hill 2 remake. I like that too, but below the play novel? Below the yeah, play absolutely. novel. Just okay, for fun. so wait, where do, where do the movies go then? Uh, in the garbage. They, yeah, they don't count. No, I, Sean I, Bean's I like in them, one of them, dude. Yeah, Sean Bean's in there. No, I actually like the first one, and they replicate that uh, that camera move from Silent Hill 1, which yeah. uh, I was very impressed by. There's a cool death in the first one. Yeah, CD. Here we go. Hold on, hold on. Hang on. Yeah, yeah like that. Oh, yeah, that, that was, was it. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, por- they should port Silent Hill the Arcade to modern systems. What are they thinking? Uh, come yeah. on. What are like, they thinking? They're thinking of uh, whatever they've been thinking over at Konami for They're forever. probably thinking about how the light gun games don't exist anymore. But uh, The House of the Dead remake is going to bring it back. Yeah, H-O-T-B-R. Yeah. Give me that hot D. Yep. Hot House of the Dead. Like Hot B, the fishing developer? God, I love Hot B. Yeah, really good. 
such a good name for a video game company. It is very good. Give me that hot B. It stands for a hot button. Y'all, y'all saw the um, the one where like only on one game on the PC Engine, uh, which I think was the only hot B game on on the PC Engine. Um, under the hot B logo, it says he is over there, comma because dot dot dot. So good. It's All right, incredible. I guess that wasn't official. Oh, official, that's but, so uh, good. It's a real reach for the moon engine. Yeah. There are a few more spin-offs, but whatever. I think this is complete this enough. This is a good list. This is a yeah, good list. Wait, this is a can we list. just say that number one has to be the old town of Shizuoka in Japan? Uh, yeah, which is, literally means Silent Hill. <laughs> uh, that's okay. literally where the name Silent Hill comes from. You ever been to Shizuoka? Beautiful city. I will put Shizuoka, Beautiful. Japan at Beautiful city. One. Yeah, because it, it's it's wonderful. Uh, if you ever I need it. to go to a place that's actually quite nice and silent, uh, but has all the modern conveniences of a greater metropolitan uh, Japan city. Yeah. Shizuoka. It's where they manufactured the I mean, original it's, PlayStation. It's not very, uh, not very spooky, though. No, not at all. Um, but it's so great. I'm not sure if it really goes on the list, but that's okay. Whatever. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. You've made it through another Halloween episode. Is yeah. there anything you would like to plug or recommend to our audience as we bid our farewells? I actually have to say, um, I, I meant to say this earlier, but Tim, you were you were saying that you would like Star Trek: The Next Generation to have a skip intro. Oh yeah, yeah, I know that guy messaged me about it before uh, you would have ever heard about it. Trust me, I okay. was the first one to know, and I was, I believe, the first one to test I'm it. I'm more saying for the benefit of the uh, of the show that yes, indeed. Uh, someone at Paramount Plus in uh, mentioned in the. I was going to bring that up when it was okay. my turn to recommend well, things. I was going to bring up that uh, if you are an employee at Paramount Plus, please have already put a skip intro button <laughs> on Star Trek: The Next button. Generation uh, <laughs> as of the uh, moment this podcast it goes live. That's what I was going to say. That was going to be my good joke. Very good. Well, I got a couple other recommendations. I've been using that button, by the way. Yeah. Because a uh, heck of a theme song, but I've been using that button. One of my recs is the virtuosic hair metal band T-Ride. T-Ride. Mm-hmm. If you like that kind of um, I know T-Ride. music of that era, give it a listen. It's it's a, it's a more obscure one you probably want to listen to, so give it a shot. Another thing is if you're going to buy like any of these new retro re-releases like the Mega Man Wily Wars that came out on the Genesis recently. It's or pronounced the, the Wily collection. Wars, actually. No, the Wily Wars. Wowie Wars. If, if you're gonna buy like the Wowie Wars or anything like that, um, try buying it at Castlemania. And the oh, reason yeah. I say that is because they have that like castle cash thing that they do. I don't know how this is okay for them, but they like very generously give you points that you can then turn into a discount. So like I went and got the Valis collection on there because I was able to get twenty dollars off, which is like that seems like a bad idea for them, but they're doing it. So, uh, you know, get, check out the Castlemania on that yeah, I don't, stuff. I don't understand how stuff like that works. I don't understand how B&H has a credit card that removes a sales tax. What the heck? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Oh, it, wow. I mean, it's it's a, it's a very kind of a gray area sort of thing, though. It's like they, they seriously do offer you a credit card. You want to apply for our credit card? You don't have to use sales tax anymore. It's like, what does that mean? Uh, yeah. I think it just means they subtract the sales tax from the... It's I don't know how it works. Uh yeah, like uh, there's something going it? on at, at B&H. B&H, wonderful store. Um, I don't really... I'm not going to recommend it to anybody unless you're looking to spend tens of thousands of dollars on uh, videography equipment at some point in the next couple of months. Castle cash, huh? Yeah, I've got some castle yeah. cash stored up. Yeah, you should use it. 
Use it to buy things. I won't be using it to buy any video games because I've got to Wowie Wars on my mister. Yep. Um, but you can buy cables and stuff, they, and they got controllers oh, they on got there. Cables, all right. Yeah, they got, yeah, they got HD retrovision. Yeah, yeah got, whenever I need cables. to get a mod to like try it out before I start selling it, because I try to I try to install things before I before I offer it as a service because I makes sense. Want to have familiarity, and the Castle Cash is a godsend. Heck yeah, love that Castle Cash. I guess I'll go. Uh, it's it's the spooky season. So, and Brandon mentioned Twin Stick Games. So, if you've got a Virtual Boy lying around. You should play In's Mouth No Yakata. And that game is so cool looking. It's, yeah. Um, it's uh, like a roguelike type, or it's like a dungeon crawler. Dungeon with crawler, a yeah. Twin stick shooter. Like it's a first person setup, but because the virtual boy has two D pads, it's like one is move on a wizardry grid, and then one is like aim a, a targeting reticle. And it's like a early survival horror. Virtual boy's got a really slick library in general, but. Um, that's probably one of the cooler games on it. Published by IMAX, uh, yeah, which, IMAX, which is a publisher that I wish that I could purchase the rights to so that I could have Dragon Master Silk and uh, oh, Cyberdoll and and also this and uh, then I'd be I'd be sitting pretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've just got a uh, virtual boy gathering dust, you should get the, the ribbons fixed on it and then you should play that. Uh, yeah. I've also I've been and if you want to get the ribbons fixed, it's uh, soundretro.co. Send them to Crystal Lee. <laughs> I've also I've been watching recently uh, Fudo Hara Ninzaburo, which is a um, uh, it's a drama from the nineties. Uh, it's a it's Japanese... a long, long running J drama. Yeah, it ran yeah. for like twelve or so, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, some number of years. Yeah, yeah, it ran for a long while. Um, it's it's the elevator pitch is basically Japanese Columbo. Yeah, that's that's how every Japanese person that I ever encountered in Japan <laughs> who described <laughs> me as being like Columbo. Said, you're so, uh-huh. you, you know who you remind me of? Columbo. First of all, heck of a guy to be compared to. My friends were being said, you looks like Leonardo DiCaprio, right? And, uh, or whatever. I get, I get girls telling me I, I remind them of Columbo. Um, <laughs> and good. then the conversation immediately would pivot to, have you seen, uh, there's, have you seen the Japanese Columbo? Um, and I'd be like, oh, no. And then I ended up watching. So anyway, you may continue talking about the Japanese Columbo. <laughs> it, it's a lot more stage play. It's a lot of just him mm-hmm. with the criminal and there's a lot of back and forth. It's written by a, a writer for the stage. I can't It's very playwrighty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very playwrighty. He's also got a show uh, that came out soon after that. It's like a political comedy that I really want to watch. But it's not really available on any services. But if you have Google, you know how to find things. If you got that internet. They would say to me, your friend looks like Leonardo DiCaprio. You know who you look like? <laughs> and I'd be like, I'd be like, what? I, I don't want to know who I look like. You remind me of Columbo, actually. And it's like, What? Why would people tell me, uh, compliment what my friend looks like, and then tell me that I remind them of Columbo? How is that your entry into a conversation? Columbo's a cool guy. He's got those coats. Yeah, I mean, oh no, he is. Yeah. I mean, no, no joke. Peter Falk, you know. Yeah, PF. Good dude. Mikey and Nikki. Watch Mikey and Nikki, too. I was often told that it was my mannerisms and way of speaking that reminded them of Columbo. I presumed that was what it was. That makes sense. Yeah, that's what, yeah. Which, uh, you know, my dad told me when I was a kid, he made me watch Columbo. He said, you should watch Columbo. This is the guy. You got to be like this guy because he doesn't let people know how smart he is. I've gotten Josh Gad. JG. I've gotten Andy Milanakis. But I think my favorite one I've gotten is Harry Crane from Mad Men. Oh, man, that guy rules. Harry Mm, Crane. Yeah. I like that guy. He's also in Firewatch. I want to give he a sure quick re- recommendation real quick on something. that I'm going to recommend a show that's on Netflix and is very popular. Uh, uh, 
is this Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Have you heard of this? Yep. Guillermo del Toro, first of all, maybe not the best movie director in the world. Maybe not uh, the greatest guy of all time. Uh, he was somewhat responsible for PT, and he did appear in Death Stranding. Um, and you, well, say what you will about the man, he has a striking uh, visual style. Um, he creative directorialized, oversaw, executive produced a series of eight uh, horror, one hour long horror films uh, of drastically differing themes, locations, types, styles, each with different writers, directors, crews. And I've only watched the first three of them, and I I like them all a lot, and it's the kind of TV show that it would be fun if there was more of, yet there can't really be so much of a TV show like this, because there's only a few guys like Guillermo del Toro with the, uh, with the pole to make something like this happen. So I'm not strictly speaking a horror guy, and you should, because, you know, I mean, I've watched a lot of horror stuff, and I like some horror stuff, I just... I'm not strictly speaking a horror guy because I don't sit around talking about it. I don't have a horror podcast or anything. I've not made any YouTube videos about horror movies. I've not written about horror movies for any famous uh, magazines. So take my recommendation of a horror-related thing with uh, that particular frame of reference in mind. Um, I just think it's real cool to see some weird, amazing stories, style, thing, Twilight Zone style thing happening in the, in the present era. That is not uh, a reboot of exactly the Twilight Zone or whatever, and uh, but it's not even the Twilight Zone. It's just here's a bunch of weird little horror movies. I like it, and uh, if you watched that, uh, thank you. And there's there's one coming out that I haven't seen yet that is not out yet. That is by the uh, the reason I became aware of it is uh, 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 my buddy my buddy Aaron Stewart on uh, writer of the film Mandy. Uh, him and his buddy Panos Cosmatos, who uh, was the director of Mandy, did one of these. And I think it's the last oh, nice. one. I think The Viewing is what it's called. Yeah, it's called The Viewing. Yeah, I think it's the last one. And it's uh, it's coming uh, in a couple of days. I don't know if it's coming out tomorrow or Monday. or It's a weird rollout. Uh, by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be available already because they're rolling them out one per day until Halloween. They should have just put them all up there. But they're good. I don't know, man. It's on, it's on my list. For when I get Netflix back. A whole lot of cool actors, people, cool writers, cool directors, cool stuff just kind of popping around in there. Cabinet of curiosities, but also uh, uh, a curiously entertaining, is my, my Gene Shalit uh, poster <laughs> quote. Nice. Uh, the cabinet is curious. Uh, the cabinet contains curiosities, and it is curiously entertaining. <laughs> How's a good Gene Shalit? Uh, yeah, that's uh, Gene Shalit. Is he dead? He's got to no, be. he's not. I looked it up recently. Oh, really? I think about Gene Shalit a lot. Uh, the good, the good ones never die, as they say. <laughs> that, that I don't know if that's true. God, Gene Shalit, he's ninety, god darn six years old. That's incredible. I'm gonna be dirt at that age. I've got some recommendations myself. There you go for it. I've got a sincere one. First of all, midterm elections are coming up in the United States, and mm-hmm. I've been doing some phone banking with a group called the Environmental Voter Project. Uh, What they do is they call people who care about climate change, but don't typically show up to smaller elections to kind of nudge them towards uh, making a plan to vote. Uh, It really makes a big difference. And if you like, you could sign up to make some calls yourself at environmentalvoter.org. That's going every day until the election. 
I also recommend that if you're listening to this show in some format where you can subscribe to or review podcasts, that you engage with us in that way to keep the algorithms pushing us upwards and forwards. You can also go to patreon.com slash insert credit, where you could become a patron to submit your own topics, listen to monthly bonus episodes, and get other exclusive content. You could also join our community at forums.insertcredit.com to pose questions too stupid for the dirtbag of your own. Uh, follow us on Twitter at insert credit or search for insert credit on YouTube. For a good spooky time, why not wishlist Demon School on Steam by Necrosoft? And yeah. while you're there, go ahead and wishlist Hyper Gunsport too. And mm-hmm. you know what? I recently listened to an album called Welcome to the Fantasy Zone <laughs> by Krista Lee, which I really loved. Uh, you can you. Uh, go over and listen to that at opoorpup.bandcamp.com. If you like this podcast, you're going to like that album. This show is edited by Esper Quinn with original music by Kurt Feldman. I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Sheffield. I'm Crystal Lee. And your game has now been slayed. Alex. Uh, We finished recording the episode about two hours ago, but I'm recording this to just say that I should have ended the episode by saying your game has now been graved. All right. That's all. Thank you.